Hey everybody, uh, welcome to uh, Permanente Docs Chat. Thanks all for joining today, both on Zoom and on Facebook Live. Uh, today, I'm very excited for our special guest. I'm gonna fanboy a little bit here. Uh, I don't think he needs any introduction, but uh, Dr. Kevin Poe is an internist uh, and the founder of Kevin MD, um, who is gonna talk about uh, a topic near and dear to my heart, uh, social media, and explore physicians and health other healthcare professionals role in and around social media today. So should be a great uh, topic. Um, please feel free to drop your questions in the chat or, or in Facebook uh, comments as we as we go along here, we'll try to get to them too. So uh, Dr. Poe, thank you so much for joining us today. Like I said, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, of your work um, and really kind of helping helping start, I think a lot of the, the trend of physicians getting more active on, on social media. So um, let's start off by just telling everyone uh, who, who you are and what you do. Sure. Well, thanks so much for having me. My name is Kevin Poe. I'm an internal medicine physician. I'm also the founder and editor of KevinMD.com. And it's really just a platform where I share the voices of healthcare professionals across the spectrum show so we can share their stories and be heard. Yeah, fantastic. Um, how, tell us how you how you kind of came about came up with, with Kevin MD and how the story of, of how this all started. Yeah, so I like to say I had a business plan back in 2004 and it went exactly according to plan, but that's obviously <laughs> not the case. So back in 2004, very few physicians had blogs, right? You know, probably less than 50, maybe 75 or so. And then at that time, it was a novelty, right? A physician having a blog, it was like, really, you know, don't you have anything better to do with your time? But I think I wrote an article once where uh, there was a drug recall I wrote an article saying what patients should expect. And then I went into the exam room a few days afterwards. And he said, oh my gosh, I read your blog post this morning. I was comforted by what you had to say. And mm -hmm. that's when I realized that blogs specifically, and now of course with social media, we had abilities. Physicians have the ability to connect with patients and influence patients and inform and educate patients outside the exam room. And certainly there's been a fantastic evolution. Social media has evolved so quickly. There's so many different platforms that we can choose. And there's so many different ways that patients can consume health information. And it's been a, a fun journey along the way, just exploring social media um, and doing things that frankly, none of us have been taught in medical school or residency. Yeah, that's such a, that's such a great point. I think um, every time I, I'm obviously I'm passionate about social media as well too, and I, I I educate our residents and some of our medical students about that at my institution here. And I always talk about expanding the voice. You know, you can educate one patient at a time in the hospital or the clinic, or you can educate you know in mass. Um, and I think that's such a valuable tool, especially, especially this day and age when, as you mentioned, there's so many different ways patients can consume health information. And let's, let's be honest, not all health information is, is, uh, created equal. Shall we, is that, can we just agree to leave it at that? Um, yeah. So there, there's absolutely no question about that. Um, so patients, you know, one of the, the, the most popular reasons why patients go online or do Google searches is for health information. Mm -hmm. And especially during the pandemic, there's just so much misinformation that is out there. Um, people get their information from, from, you know, from Facebook, from, from, from Twitter, from, you know, YouTube, and they come to my exam room and I have to spend time and I'm sure you do too. Yeah. 
Um, you have to dispel that information. And I think that it is certainly a responsibility for a lot of us in healthcare to also go on social media and either be themselves sources of reputable health information or really act as filters so we can guide patients to better source of health information. Because not just in healthcare, if you just go in pretty much everything, misinformation is everywhere. And I think that is certainly one of the uh, the downs. You know, social media has a lot of pros, but there's a lot of downsides to social media. But this is the world we live in and we have to adapt to it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. And then now as, as a primary care physician myself too, I think that building that trust and those longitudinal relationships over time, both in person with your patients in the exam room and also by by cultivating a, a sort of a social media presence, I think I think has really tremendous value. So I, I we're, we're preaching to the choir, I think here. Um, t- tell us, what are some of the kind of the biggest learnings that you've had in the, in the past, you know, 15, 20 years you've been doing this? Uh, and, and what do you think is the biggest real um, benefit for physicians to sort of speak up uh, on these platforms? So let's start with the biggest benefit first. I think that is what I alluded to before. So physicians are able to, to share their stories and advocate for the profession. Because as we know, there's a lot of issues that affect a profession today. You know, we talk about physician burnout, right? 50% of clinicians are experiencing symptoms of burnout. And that's even before the pandemic. And now right. I'm sure that number is even, even higher. And a lot of the decisions that physicians make is kind of out of their control. And I think that's one of the biggest factors that's leading to clinician burnout is that there's just a loss of clinician empowerment, right? We lose control of sometimes our schedule and, you know, we have all these, um, you know, bureaucratic obstacles that we have to do, especially in in the primary care setting. There's a lot of bureaucracy and Mm -hmm. that impedes our care with patients. So I think that by sharing these stories on social media, whether it's through a webinar or podcast like this or writing on a blog or really elevating or even going to mainstream media where we can share those stories. And that's important because healthcare decision makers, you know, it could be healthcare administrators, it could be politicians, they, they listen to us. And, and most importantly, patients, they read these things too, because if patients are on our page and they understand some of the trials and tribulations that physicians go through, that's going to impact the care that we give to patients. So I think that social media, the his biggest trigger is really elevating our stories and making everyone know what goes on behind closed doors and some of the difficulties that physicians face when treating patients. Um, in terms of what I, the biggest learnings over the past, um, you know, decade or so, I think um, being online, there's obviously a certain amount of animosity, right? To, to, to say the least, right? Yep. We just live in such a divisive um, society. Everything is politicized. So that is something that that's a little bit difficult um, to navigate. Whenever one has a strong opinion, you're going to have half the country um, disagree with what you say. So I think it is important to acknowledge that, especially with healthcare, that there are always several sides to um, you know, whatever point that you're trying to make and, you know, healthcare, as we know, there's a tremendous amount of, uh, of gray shades, so to speak. So in social media, I think it's important to acknowledge different points of view, um, acknowledge when you're wrong, because I think one of the things that we talk about is building trust online. There's a lot of distrust in our healthcare institutions. There's a lot of distrust of the medical profession, um, that has been magnified certainly during COVID. So I think, um, trying to find a way to navigate that context is, has been tremendously challenging and it remains challenging going forward. Yeah. And I, you, you touched on, you touched on three, three things, uh, but, but two, especially that trust, that's so important. And I think that's the biggest, 
that's almost like the, the, the biggest value add is we are trusted messengers too. And we don't want to do anything to undermine that trust. And I think to, to your point, admitting when we're wrong, admitting when information changes, admitting when, when our, our opinions have shifted. I mean, we used, heck, who, who would have known that the bloodletting ended up being a bad idea, you know, a hundred years ago. Right. So, so medicine evolves and changes. And I think that we need to just um, make sure that we continue to speak up and advocate for, you know, what, what is sort of general consensus and what is sort of scientific, uh, uh, scientifically evidence-based at that, at that moment, right. Which obviously changes us too. Um, the, the other thing you touched on is, is podcasts and which is a relatively new, uh, medium. So t- tell us more. I know you have launched a, your own podcast. Uh, tell us more about kind of podcasting and how that sort of fits into that, into that role as well. So I think it goes to what I said earlier in terms of consumers having so many different streams of information um to you know to to absorb right so back 10 20 years ago you maybe read a newspaper you turn on television and watch a nightly news but now we just have so many options in terms of consuming that information and health information of course is part of that as well you know it could be an email newsletter it could be the new york times online it could be of course podcasts and youtube and linkedin and all the social media sites so i think it's important for um, clinicians just to use these platforms again to propagate reliable healthcare information. So specifically with podcasts, it's it's been tremendously um, impactful for me because it's something that I've always wanted to try. And I started my own podcast two years ago, and it's a daily podcast where I'm able to elevate um, voices across the healthcare spectrum. And it's not just physicians. I also have um, advanced practice providers. I have patients and really kind of everyone in healthcare should learn from each other. And um, I have kevinmd.com where they share, have their stories in written form, but then on a podcast, I'm able to, to talk to them directly and they can share their own voices and their own words. And I've learned so much because my job is really easy. I just really ask questions. I sit back and rarely do you get a time. You could get experts from across the country. And these are kind of uh, uh, experts where um, you would have a hard time talking to under normal circumstances. But on my podcast, I have like 20 minutes of their undivided attention and I could ask any question I want. And it's just been a tremendous learning experience uh, over the last uh, couple of years. And it's, it's, again, a powerful way, again, for voices across the healthcare spectrum so they can be heard. So, so you guys heard it here directly from, from, uh, Kevin MD. My, my job is really easy. I just sit back and ask questions, right? So no, I'm <laughs> um, t- t- what would you say, um, what would you say to people who are, um, who maybe think that physicians shouldn't enter this space right now, which is very messy with an overlap of, of science and yeah. social media and politics and can be kind of overwhelming to some degree and, and can be very, very messy. What, what do you say to people who think that the physician or the trusted health messenger voice really doesn't have a place there. What, what would you say to them? Yeah. So I think that's a common perception and a lot of physicians, you know, we're busy, right? You know, we obviously have to see patients and or do procedures, go to the hospital and you come back, you do all this paperwork and there's enough going on in our, our professional lives. You know, why do I need to have another headache? Why do I need to be involved with social media? All I hear about is physicians getting fired because of what they post on Facebook. You know, yeah. I, they just hear the negatives, right? So my biggest response to that is that if physicians aren't on social media, someone else is going to go online and and propagate potentially false information and propagate misinformation. And I think that's been 
seen with um, with with childhood vaccines, right? You have that false connection between vaccines and autism. And I don't think physicians were fast enough to go online to dispel those myths. And what happened? You have all these pseudo practitioners propagate myths about vaccines and undermine the um, the public perception on vaccines because I think we in the medical profession has been too slow to embrace going online. So I do think that um, physicians have a responsibility to be in that public space and be where patients are and be um, reputable sources of health information. Because if we don't do it, if we don't go online, it's not like patients are going to stop going online to look for health information. Someone else is going to replace us, and that's going to further undermine the trust that they have in the medical profession. Yeah, that's so so well said. I I. I agree with your sentiments 1000%. Um, there was a question here on, on the Facebook, um, uh, comments. So, uh, you know, there, there, at this point, there seems to be thousands of bloggers and podcasters and, and, and what, what would one person, what would do to have an individual listen to one person versus another person individual too. And so what, what do you think someone would, should look for in a pod, a consumer of health information should look for in a health podcast and what types of things would probably be more impactful than others and make people want to listen and learn. Yeah. So, so many different types of health podcasts that are out there, right? Every, a lot of physicians have a podcast. So certainly whatever their niche is, right? There's, there's podcasts specifically about COVID. There's certainly what I do with just share stories. There's podcasters by someone like, you know, Sanjay Gupta on CNN, you know, these kind of higher profile physicians. So I think it depends on what you're looking for. Um, I think it goes, I also want to say that uh, when it comes to finding trust online, I think it's important to, it's important to know what to look for and, and who to trust because there are of course a lot of um, physicians who also um, you know not always accurate in terms of the medical information that they have right so what are some of the things that you look for and I think a few years ago I would have said you know look for traditional healthcare institutions you know look for .gov websites look for hospitals and academic medical centers but I think now as you can see everything's been so politicized that even trust in those institutions have been undermined over the years right yeah. so um, you know just to expand what we talked about earlier you know how do you know who to trust and and to me I think that the biggest characteristic I look for is really just humil humility, right? So I think that if the podcaster or if, you know, whoever is, um, is, is giving the health information, if they're willing to admit mistakes, admit when they're wrong, and sometimes even admit that people from the other side of the political spectrum from where they're at may have a point at times. Mm -hmm. Having that humility to me, I think, is one of the biggest signs of, of trust. So that's that's really the, the, the biggest thing that I recommend. So whenever someone asks me, you know, who can you trust online? I think look for someone who is who, who has that humility, someone who is willing to sometimes um, reach across the political aisle, someone who sometimes admits when they're wrong or sometimes mm -hmm. admits when political opponents or have a point where they don't have that. Look for people who have that humility. And I think those to be, especially in this day and age, um, are, are some of the more, more trustworthy options. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that I always look for too, is looking for people that sort of are, are trying to stay more positive or more collaborative as opposed to sort of just kind of, you know, black and white sort of, uh, or attacking other individuals as well too, which happens a lot, unfortunately. So, so those are the other things that I sort of look for people that are sort of, you know, try to take a balanced approach and, and, um, 
uh, have a more of a discourse as opposed to sort of you absolutely. Know, you don't right. want people who are just so dogmatic in their thinking, right? Yeah. So people who are willing to be flexible. Because let's be honest, let's you know, science is changing, healthcare is changing. You know, COVID has has seen that. You know, the the science of 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 the pandemic changes by the week, and um, I think that we are you know these opinion leaders that we have on healthcare. You know, it, it's okay that they adopted that changing science. Yeah, yeah. So now that we've convinced all of our listeners and all the physicians out there to join social media, uh, what are what are some tips or advice that you have for people that are that are interested but aren't quite sure kind of how to get started? I, yeah. I sort of think about the three the three stages of social media use. Those are the people that are just kind of there and, and looking and learning, those people that kind of like and maybe comment, and those people that create their own content yeah. as well, too. So what would you say to people that want to get more involved and do yeah. more social media work but aren't sure how to get started? So you alluded to this in your uh, lead into this. You want to go in a stepwise progression, but even before that, you want to um, ask yourself what, why you want to go into social media, right? So never just go into social media because someone told you to, you know, just because, you know, the marketing department told you to, because right. that's never a good reason to go into social media. You always want, want a purpose, right? So the three main purposes that I, I see is number one is we talk about that education piece. You want to um, be a reputable source of health information to the patients you see and influence outside the exam room. The second piece is like the online reputation piece, right? Because patients do Google their clinicians online and sometimes going on social media to proactively create an online reputation is one of the best ways where you can define your online footprint and mm -hmm. not be defined by you know these third-party rating sites. And the third way is um, what I talked about earlier about um, clinicians having a voice so we can advocate for our profession. So generally it falls in those three buckets, right? And I think that once you find uh, purpose, then you could take that next step. And you talked about the progression, right? You could, you know, dip your toes in social media first and maybe have a profile on say LinkedIn, for instance, and that's a fairly benign thing to do. But if you have a presence on a site like that, when people Google you, at least you control that site and, you know, you show up on a Google search and you're not defined by these third-party sites, at least you control that information. And then if you get comfortable with that, you can take the next step. And like you said, you don't necessarily have to create content, but at least you can share content. So if you have a Facebook page or a Twitter page or LinkedIn, maybe you could just link or share reliable healthcare information. If a new study comes out, you can maybe you know, share perspective on that or new drug comes out, or if there's a drug recall, again, share things and you want to use your network to propagate reliable healthcare information. You don't want to share things that are, you know, pseudoscience or things that are proven to be unreliable. And then the third part, once you get comfortable with that would be then content creation, right? Content creation. And then there's so many avenues in social media that fits one strength, right? So if you're great on camera, of course, there's like YouTube. If you're a great writer, there's blogs. If you want to do more short form things, you can do that on LinkedIn and Facebook. But so you want to find a platform that really suits your personality and suits your strength and then create that content that fits into some of those goals that we talked about earlier, whether it's educating patients or commentating on news or advocating for a profession. So find your purpose first and then take your stepwise progression based on your comfort level on being online.
Yeah. I, I think the other thing too, I always tell people is sort of just pick maybe one, maybe two platforms to start with, right? You don't have to be yeah. all things to everyone at once. One of my, one of my good friends, um, uh, Dr. Vicky Chan does these mm -hmm. like TikTok, yeah. Instagram dances, which are just amazing. And she's great at it. Right. And, yeah. and that's kind of her thing um, versus uh, people who are much better at, at blogs, for example, too. So I, I always tell people like pick one, maybe two mm -hmm. sort of avenues and start there. And then you can sort of expand as you, as you feel comfortable. That's, that's great advice too. So, um, so, uh, uh, tell me, um, uh, oh, sorry, we have a question here in the, in the chat also too. Sure. So, uh, you know, physicians, particularly working for large institutions, um, yeah. can sometimes kind of run into some struggles with, you know, the, the, the public affairs department or the comms team, which is sort of so used to sort of controlling or, or understanding or, or putting out the narrative. Um, and, and whether we sort of say it or not, if we work for an institution, we are a represent representative of that institution too. So how do physicians sort of navigate that, that kind of responsibility to their organization and their institution, but also sort of their own personal, personal yeah. brand and reputation on social media as well, too. So I always advise physicians to be transparent, right? So you want to be transparent with your organization. And there's so many organizations out there with varying policies when it comes to social media. I can say for many large organizations, um, the marketing team is very very eager to partner with clinicians right so they 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 actually want more physicians to kind of partner with them and mm -hmm. create videos to promote the hospital or their practice or or whatever um you know procedure um that they're doing so i think that um you know first off partnering with the marketing team you know certainly would be the first step um in terms of branching out and and um you know, if you want to do your own brand outside of your employer, you always have to be transparent, right? Because you work for your employer first, make sure that, you know, contractually it's okay. Um, you know, I always advise transparency first before going out and, and, you know, doing something that your employer may find out later and may, 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 may frown upon. So I always advise uh, transparency first. And again, you know, if, if your personal brand kind of is, uh, is uh runs counter to what the organization wants you know so that's another discussion to be had but i think that in general you do want to be transparent you want to make sure contractually it's okay mm -hmm. um and in most cases i would just say if you have a marketing department to partner with them because uh um a lot of times that your goals may and, and motivations may be aligned yeah, no, I think it's for, for me personally, I can speak having being a, a permanent physician and, and being part of a massive healthcare organization. Uh, I did a lot of work ahead of time and, and spoke with my local comms team and my regional comms team to let them know who I am, what I'm about and how I can, again, like I said, really partner with them on this work too. And so it's been a fantastic relationship that I've been able to, to foster and grow with many individuals across our organization, including the folks that help uh, produce this uh, this podcast. So so shout out to, to Ben and Maria. So thanks guys. <laughs> Um, so this has been fantastic. We can, we could probably go all day long too, but I know your, your time is short. So, so tell us again, how, how people can find you and, and find your blog and your, uh, your podcast. Yep. So everything is at kevinmd.com and uh, we find a blog and it's uh, not just me, but it's really stories from across the healthcare spectrum. And they're really, um, you know, you, you really learn a lot from just reading from your colleagues and reading from people that are um, adjacent for you, to you in, in the healthcare spectrum, you know? I've learned so much just from reading um, um, the stories on Kevin MD. And in terms of my podcasts, it's a kevinmd.com slash podcast. And then you can hear the Kevin MD authors um, in their own voices, share their stories. So those are the two places that I would go to. 
Fantastic. Well, uh, Dr. Poe, thank you so much for joining us. I really enjoyed this conversation. and It means a lot to us and all of our viewers. You took the time today. Thanks for having me. The views expressed in this podcast are those of the speaker and are not meant to represent the views of the Permanente Federation, the Permanente Medical Groups, or Kaiser Permanente.